and welcome to the Horizon Church podcast. Horizon Church is a Christ-centered, word-based and spirit-led church. We are so happy to bring this week's message to you. And on behalf of our pastors, Brad and Ali Bonhomme and the Horizon Church team, we pray it's a blessing to you. I talked about the heart and it's a bit of a signature message for me. I've experienced what it is to have God heal me from the inside out and the difference it makes to your freedom. Um, Do you know the biggest predictor of how you experience 2023 is not going to be your job promotion this year, although I really pray that there are many promotions in the house. It's not going to be breakthrough answers to prayer, although I believe there are going to be many. And I said last week, babies born that have been longed for for many, many years, marriages that people have been praying for. God, I just, I'm believing you for the right partner, the right person. I want to become the right person. And God orchestrates things, right? I'm believing for people to thrive and flourish in the things that God has put in their heart. But I can promise you now, those things will be a great blessing and and they've been a blessing to us in our lives. But the biggest predictor of how you experience 2023 is actually going to be your inner world before God. It's actually gonna be how free you are on the inside, how you are relating to God, whether your heart is full of wounds that have been undealt with, uh, unforgiveness, whether you are in bondage and slavery to addiction uh, or whether you have experienced the freedom of forgiveness, the freedom of God healing you from the inside out, uh, where God has freed you from an addiction and shows you how to walk out your freedom, that is actually going to be the better predictor for you of 2023, right? And it's a process. God heals us from the inside out. There are moments, don't get me wrong, I've had moments of breakthrough where there has been a deliverance from rejection or a moment where God does something very powerful and alters, I am all for altars. Like we open the altars regularly here, but also God works in process. Also, God works in the renewal of the mind and so forth, and freedom comes that way. But that is a big predictor. This morning, I actually want to look at this whole area of relationships. And that is a broad category. There are obviously romantic relationships and marriages and so forth. There are friendships. There are family relationships. There are colleague relationships. There are actually even the way that we relate to those we don't know that lead us, right? And so our life is one big network of relationships. Now, I believe that 23 is a significant year for Horizon Church. It's a year of expansion for us where we will have two hubs, one in Perth, one in Sydney and various campuses. We are seeing many salvations. We're seeing beautiful new people come into our community. It is a significant year for us. And I would say even for you personally, that if you are alive, it says in Psalm 139, David says, all my days were written in your book before one of them came to pass. And so you can be sure that if you are living and breathing, God has purposes this year for you, assignments for you. Now, some of them will be very large and some of them will be really significant. Some of them will be relational. Some of them will be reaching somebody in your workplace with the love of the Lord Jesus Christ. Maybe God is going to cause you to really bless your neighbourhood. I don't know what the assignment is for you, but I do know God has one for you because you're living and you're in this room and He has an assignment. I also believe 
that the church across the globe is in a time of change. Who feels that? And it's really positive. I believe the church is being healed. I believe the church is being repurposed. I believe a new generation is coming through. Can you give me a wave if you're under 30 or under, okay? Or thereabouts is okay. Can I just say, I really feel on my heart, God is bringing you through. Now, don't tune out anyone above 30. I've got something for you too. But God is raising you. I have a particular passion for you. Fallon, I want to encourage you. God is raising you. He is bringing you through. You don't need to worry. He who calls is faithful, it says in 1 Thessalonians. He will do it. You don't need to worry. But anyone 30 and under, Yaz and Bella and Jai Brander and, you know, Sakia, Jerry, God is raising a new generation. There is change coming through. The church of Jesus Christ is alive and well. And I believe that if you are older than that, God, had, God has got a second sending for you. And, and he is, you may have felt sent before and maybe you've got, well, maybe my job's over. Maybe, maybe, but no, 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 no. We are a multi-generational church across the planet and we need you. And in fact, Amos says that part of the prophetic move of God's Spirit is He will actually turn the hearts of the children to the fathers and the hearts of the fathers to the children, right? Because they can't do it without you. He wants to soften our hearts to each other so that all the generations would rise up and actually be the light to the world that God has called us to be. So I do believe the church is in a time of change. And I could say a lot about that. Maybe I'll preach it at some point. But can I just say God works through relationship. That is His primary vehicle. And yes, uh, in our Western world, we're quite individualistic, you know. We make decisions individualistically and, uh, you know, I want to manage my finances individually and my decision-making, what's good for me and us. But you see, God's only method (laughs) is relationship. He works in community. He works through His church. He puts us in divine connection. He puts us in great marriages. He gives us amazing and timely friendships. Have you ever considered maybe He's brought you together with a certain group of friends for a kingdom purpose, not just for a good time? That too. You know, God loves fun. Who thinks that's a funny concept? God loves fun. He wants you to have fun. Who's had fun this January? God loves fun. He's got a sense of humour too. So much of the Bible is... (laughs) So funny, won't even go there. But, but he actually has a strategic purpose for those who you're in relationship with, for you in church. It's so interesting, I love it. And in fact, can I just put to you, one of the greatest indicators of your spiritual health and freedom is actually the health of your relationships, is actually the health of how you get on with and treat other people. Now you might say to me, oh, but no, it's my encounters with God and my Bible reading plan. And and I'm like, yes, that's really good. But that is your source. That is the source of your life, right? Um, And I would just say, God's pretty easy to love, (laughs) you know? He's pretty easy to love. Actually outworking the love of God that He shed abroad in your heart, that's much harder. (laughs) It's much harder putting up with people, right? But it says really clearly in John 13, 24 to 25, a new commandment I give unto you that you love one another as I have loved you because by this, 
not by your encounters with God, although they're super important, not by your Bible reading plan, not by your superior doctrine, not by your amazing love of the Lord Jesus Christ. All of that is important. What is an indicator though, is how you love other people. To me, you show me how you treat other people and I'll tell you all about your relationship with God. You show me how you resolve conflict and deal with the fence and I'll tell you exactly how it's going with you and God because that is what this Scripture says. The problem is you have to contend for relationships and I hate that because you get the sense uh, from the culture that it just happens. There's just chemistry or there's not. There's just, <laughs> there's just flow or there's not. They're either a good guy or a bad guy, a jerk or an angel, right? And it's actually not like that. You actually have to contend for relationship. And the challenge is the tension we hold, relationships have both the capacity for the greatest blessing in your life. You know, the greatest blessing that I have in my life, the greatest blessings I've experienced have been experienced in relationship, rich friendships, amazing colleagues. And I don't say that lightly. I truly have the best colleagues in the world. It is the best group of people I've ever worked with, every single one of them. My marriage, other relationships, people that have given me words of encouragement in relationship. But it also is the site of the deepest wounding. I don't know about you, but my deepest wounds have not been about events. My deepest wounds have been in relationship. Yes, there's been work disappointments. Yes, there's been hardships financially and all that sort of thing. But the greatest and most heart-crushing things have happened in relationship. And it's probably true for you. So my question this morning to you, and I want to put it to you, is if you were the enemy, (laughs) if you were Satan, and I'm not going to go into it. I could just be really cheeky and narrative and creative right now. And I just won't. If you were the enemy, what would you do if you did not want the church to advance? What would you do this morning? The greatest force on all the earth. Jesus says, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail. What would you do if you were the enemy to go, all right, game on? Would you distract them? Well, yes, there's definitely that, definitely distraction. A lot of that going on in this generation, right? Um, Would you attack their faith? Sure, absolutely. I would put in deceit in the culture. I would want to drip feed them lies through the news. I'd want to use fear and all that sort of thing. But the problem with that is there's always a Jane Verris who's unshakable in the community. There is always going to be people that will be, you know, a Josh and Tam Smith that will be that pillar of faith and stability that I just go, nah, it's cool. If I need my faith strengthened, I just come to them. If I really, if I was the enemy and I really, really wanted a high yield investment, if I really, really wanted a bang for my buck, if I really wanted this thing to implode from the inside out, I would attack the relationships. I would divide and conquer. I would absolutely mess it up from the inside out. I wouldn't even bother with something coming from the outside in. I'd start with the inside out and I would divide and conquer. And some of you is like, my kids tried that on me this week, (laughs) mum and dad. 
Um, If God's method, God's only method, and His vehicle to change the world is through relationship, His church, then the enemy's tactic is division. And let me put it to you this morning, His easiest strategy, His most common strategy to divide is offence. Offence. That, that right there is um, the most common description of what happens in many churches. You think it's just an argument. You think it's just a little hurt and I'm just going to shut my heart down now. But it's actually the greatest strategy of the enemy to drive a wedge between those that God has called together, great marriages in the kingdom, great friends that have been brought about by God to pray down heaven over the church great friends that have been called to reach their neighbourhood together, great churches that are meant to be a light on the hill to their community, their nation and the globe. Offence. It seems so simple, but it is the the greatest strategy that the enemy uses. And it's because it locks us out of relationships. It log jams things. Proverbs 18, 19 says, An offended friend, any relationship, is harder to win back than a fortified city. Isn't that nuts? Arguments separate friends like a gate locked with bars. You know, sometimes we can want to have relationships so desperately, but this thing has locked the heart up like nothing else. It's log jammed our our heart from relating properly. It, It... stumbles us and locks us into a point in time and blocks all possibility for God to use certain things. I actually want to draw a delineation this morning too between what I talked about last week and what I talked about this week. You know, last week I talked a lot about wounds and heart bitterness and although they're quite interconnected in some ways, offence is a little bit different. It's got a little nuance I want to talk about. Now, it is an upset. It's an event that happens, a something or other, something that got said. But the New Testament description, and there's a couple of words used, but the most common one in the Gospels is the word scandalon. Anyone heard scandal? Any, anyone seen anything come out this week in the form of an autobiography that is scandalous right? and offensive? By the way, one definition of offence is an autobiographical event. The stories that we tell us about what, that tell ourselves about what happened to us from that person or what got said. The sense of it is, um, and scandalon, it's to cause to fall a trap stick or a snare, Right? Now, anyone, when they were kids, used those old-fashioned traps, right? You get a box, real, real rudimentary, right? You get a stick. My boys are going to try this at home after the service. I probably should have made one on the stage, right? A box, a stick, a string to pull, and some bait. And the bait brings the person, or brings the animal, rather, to the, to the trap, And when they take the bait, person, (laughs) but this is how the enemy works with you, right? You laugh, but it's true. And it yanks the stick and suddenly the creature is in the trap. That is the sense of what an offence is. The other application is that you would stumble. And the picture I get 
is, because you guys are all Olympic athletes, <laughs> um, that you are running in your lane and you are running fast and you are running effective and you are fit for the race, you are primed for the year, you are ready to take on the world for Jesus. But something in your lane trips you and there is no more moving forward in that race because you are stuck at a point because you are tripped by a fence. It's a noose, something to cause you to stumble. And that's how a fence works, taking something on, being upset by something and not just being wounded by it, but being stumbled by it. I can't move past what she said. I cannot get over how they handled that with me. I cannot in my marriage handle the fact that she said this. She always does this. And I am stuck and trapped at that point in time. With that, I want to make a generational observation. And by the way, generation, the word generation can have two implications. Number one, it obviously can be gen, baby boomer, gen Z, gen X, all that kind of thing, right? But the way I want to use it is slightly different. It also means everyone alive on the earth at a particular time. I want to make an observation about my grandparents' generation. They had particular strengths, but with that came particular vulnerabilities. I remember my grandfathers, both of them, their generation, and I've been talking about it this week with my boys, the wartime generation. And their great strength was their ability to look conflict in the face and have a gritty determination to have victory. But with it, the vulnerability of having that grittiness was they were emotionally disconnected. I talked last week about the heart, and maybe you were raised by a wartime generation parent. Part of your healing process may or may well be actually God's showing you that he's a loving father, that your father may have been distant because of his vulnerability. He didn't mean to be. If he could, he would have, but because he couldn't, he, he didn't, right? But what I've noticed about our generation, so I'm including everyone alive on the earth today, we are very justice-driven, we are very rights-driven. And I believe God's done something on the earth in that space. We've gone, you know what? That is not right. We cannot tolerate that kind of abuse happening in our world. We need to do something about that. And that is a God-given anointing. But the vulnerability with that is we are easily offended. We are so offended and it's like we have given away our power. And you laugh at that and say, hang on, what, what do you mean we've given away our power? We think the answer to the solution is the other person. If they get it right, I'll be right. And it's like, hang on, you're giving away your power in being easily offended. What about taking your power back and realising you, it doesn't matter what happens there, you can deal with it in your heart. You had the power to actually deal with it. And the symptoms are, we kind of quiet quit. Oh yeah, I'll turn up, but you're not having my heart. I'll go to work, but I'm not giving all of you. I'll give you this much and no more, right? That's offence. We are entitled. I, I deserve better. I deserve much better. We nurse offence. We give it a bottle. It's like, we oh, little newborn, let's just give you a bottle. And yeah, we really hate them. And, and hate Hate can come around the offence and we open our lives up and I'm going to say it straight to you. We open our lives up to all sorts of demonic torment because we feed the offence, we give 
space to it, we oxygenate it, we give it power because we've given away our power. Some of us, and I say this with deep compassion, I really sense in preparation, some of us are even offended with God. I expected a different outcome in this. I prayed to you. I bought you, I brought you this thing to you and what did you do with it? We had our hopes pinned on a particular outcome, not our trust and surrender toward a God that loved us. And we become offended with God. We become stumbled and trapped in our relationship with God because we are offended. Well, I want to actually ask the question this morning, why is this thing such a beast? Offence is a beast. It's a, it's a hungry beast and it is never satisfied, right? This thing, if it gets lodged in your heart, you won't be free because it's a beast. And let me tell you why. Firstly, it's catchy and contagious, it actually spreads through communities, it spreads through families, it spreads in relationships because sometimes you'll, if you're offended, want to bring other people into agreement with it and go, was I right or was I right? And you may be right, but you're not free. And you are bringing other people. And now, let me just say, there is a time and a place to share something with someone, the right person, the right way, to pray, believe, and then make the right actions to reconcile. I'm not, we, we are not about control. I'm not talking about control dynamics that keep you shut and in pain and not able to bring anyone into it. And I'm certainly not referring to cases of abuse or things where you actually need to report. We're not, we will never cover those things. It's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about offence in relationship. And so we bring other people into it and they come into agreement with it. And we know that if you come into agreement, you release power. It's just the kind of power. What, what are you releasing there together in agreement? Are we releasing? Because God says to us, Jesus says, if you come into agreement on anything together, let it be on earth as it is in heaven. You can bind and loose things. But the opposite is also true. The counterfeit is also true. What are you releasing together? I've seen it in children, the child to the parent, right? He hit me, right? Bringing the parent in on the offence. But if you as a parent get suckered into that thing and not see the other side, you might just find out that little Johnny has been ticking the brother off for the last 20 minutes and he's finally lashed out, right? Friend to friend. In a ministry context, going from pastor to pastor or leader to leader to share the offence rather than actually a heart to reconcile, a heart to come before God with the offence. You know, the, the heart of Absalom, David's son, uh, it says he sat at the city gates and listened to their offence and came into agreement and had compassion. There, there, yeah, you're right. You know, Dad sucks. You know, this leader is not doing the right thing. This person's not, let, just leave it with me. I'll fix it up. Like feeding the offence. What's stopping them from going to the other person, right? Um, what's stopping them from uh, extending forgiveness? Proverbs eighteen seventeen says, the first one who pleads their case seems right, <laughs> right? There's another side to the story. Can I even put to you, even on good things, 
we can actually come into agreement on the basis of offence, a justice matter or whatever, and it will bear no fruit or it will bear rotten fruit because it's not birthed of the Spirit. It's not birthed from a redemptive place. It's birthed in reaction and offence. So even good things. Secondly, offence is cumulative. It actually, so it's catchy and contagious and it's cumulative. It doesn't just stop when it's undealt with, when it's an unresolved offence in your heart, it actually accumulates. You become somebody who operates in confirmation bias, right? You are looking for that person that's offended you to offend again, right? You are looking for confirmation that they are the jerk that you always thought they were, that that is not just a one-off incident. I am looking for confirmation. And you become an offence magnet, easily offended. And then finally, offence caps and contains you because you stumble at the place you fell, you become trapped at that point, and it will cut you out of future blessing. There was a man in the Old Testament called Naaman, and he was a man with a terrible, terrible plight. He was a leper. And in fact, uh, if I could have keys up, that would be amazing. He was a leper. He was the general of the Syrian army. And he hears from a slave girl, and yes, the ethics are all messed up (laughs) in the Old Testament, and God works redemptively through it. But the slave girl that he'd captured says, there is a man in Israel that can help you. His name is Elisha. And so Naaman humbles himself, very, very humbling, to listen to the advice of a slave girl and sends someone to speak to Elisha. And what does Elisha say? I'm not coming out. Just tell him to go dip in the filthy Jordan River seven times and he'll be healed. Well, what was Naaman's response to that? I'm offended. Does he know who I am? I am the great Naaman. And his offence very nearly locked him out of his healing and he would have died a premature death. He would have been capped at the point of offence. He finally gets over his offence, goes and dips in the river and becomes healed. So close, so close to capping him. You know, offence does put the brakes on your destiny. It actually keeps you locked and bound in a trap. And the heart of God for you is actually freedom this year. God sees the injustices against you. God sees the pain in relationships, but His only way to freedom for you is you. How you deal in conjunction with Him, with you. What I can guarantee you this year is offences are coming your way. (laughs) I hate to say it. I wish I could lie to you and say, you know what, it's gonna be such a smooth sailing year. Your relationships are gonna be amazing. Your marriage is gonna be incredible. Your family of origin is gonna be phenomenal. Your workplace is gonna be so good, best it's ever been. And look, I, I pray all those things and I pray that that is the overall story. It's actually unbiblical to lie to you and say offences won't come. It says in Luke 17, 1, Jesus says to His disciples, things that cause people to stumble or offences, written in other versions, are bound to come. They are coming at you in 23. (laughs) Um, But it goes on to say, woe to anyone through through whom they come. And it's actually referring to offence 
is also taking responsibility as the more mature person and not stumbling another person. That particularly in relation to young Christians, children, weaker brothers and sisters, people that have issues with things we don't have issues with. You know, your glass of wine may be a cause, not to get bound up and stuff, but but actually expressing sensitivity that my brother or my sister is more important than a glass of wine to me. It's more important, the the relationship for me is more important than 50-50. The relationship for me is more important than being right. I as the older brother or sister, more mature brother or sister in the faith, I'm willing to cop a bit of flack, to take it on the chin a little bit more so that the weaker brother and sister, that's what that's getting at. But the offences will come. Paul says in Acts 24, 16, I exercise myself like he actively, it's an active thing to work, to respond to offence. I exercise myself to have always a conscience void of offence toward God and toward men, toward God and toward people. I actually actively work, he says, to have a clean heart before God and a clean heart before people. You know, I wanna talk to you about a superpower you will have in 2023. And it won't be your keto diet. That'd be good. It does work, particularly for men. Um, it's not going to be a new hobby, although I really pray that you find recreation this year. God is a God of fun and joy. It's not all intense. Maybe a hobby for you will be a form of a superpower. Um, For you, it may not be a job promotion, but what your superpower in 2023 is gonna be is dropping a fence, dropping it, dropping that sucker, dropping it on the ground getting free of the trap stick that offence is in your life. You know, some of us are more sensitive to it than others. I've got to say, and I've got to be honest because I've got Andrew here. Because I'm a passionate individual and I'm an Enneagram 8, if that means anything to you, I'm very Mama Bear protective. (laughs) And I'm like, sometimes that results in easily offended. Look, I like to call it triggered because that sounds a bit better. But at the end of the day, if I, we don't deal with that, it's not the other person that will be entrapped. It's you, it's me. It says good sense in Proverbs 19, 11. Good sense makes one slow to anger. Don't be so triggered, Christy. (laughs) Don't be so triggered, quick on the trigger. And it's His glory to overlook an offence. Isn't that amazing that you can wear God's glory if you are not being messy and and enabling bad behaviour, but it's actually about God, I don't wanna get offence caught and trapped in my heart. You don't have any form of control over what is done to you this year. Yes, you can put good boundaries in and yes, we can manage things, but at the end of the day, you cannot exercise enough control to stop all offence. But you, had the power of response. And that is so much more powerful than offence. You have the power. You can operate in law. What is owed? What's owed to me? What are my rights in this? It's right. It's true. It's right. I'm right. Or you can actually release grace in every situation. I will not give them what they deserve. I'm going to give them what they don't deserve. And that is forgiveness, release, 
and by that, I will be released. You know, it says in Matthew 18, it tells the story of a servant that had absolutely no way of paying a king back. The debt was crushing. There was no payment plan in the world that would have fixed the problem. And the king was full of mercy, full of grace. And he says to the servant, I'm not putting you on a payment plan. You don't have to make it up to me. I completely wipe the debt clean. You are free, free indeed, completely free. But then the servant thanked the king, turned around and went to another servant, a peer, and for a much lesser amount, a dollar in the face of billions, said to the other servant, you owe me. And it says he choked him and sent him to jail. Didn't, no revelation, no revelation of the grace of the King, no revelation of the culture of the Kingdom, no revelation that what had been done toward Him was extraordinary. No revelation. You know, the, the parable was addressed to Peter. It wasn't addressed to unbelievers. It was addressed to believers to say, if you know the Lord Jesus Christ, if you've experienced His love, His forgiveness, His grace and His mercy, maybe you're here and you've never received that. He wants to give you that today. You know, He wants to actually pour out His grace on you, but maybe you've experienced it already. The expectation is that the depth of your revelation of your forgiveness will determine your ability to let go of offence, will determine what you show to a brother and a sister. What do we do with it? Well, firstly, we've got to bring it to God. And like I said last week, God wants your heart. God doesn't want the mask. Oh, it was okay, it's nothing. It's like, no, if it hurt, God, He was a mongrel pig dog. What He said to me was extraordinary. Let it go with God, let it all out, let it flow. Use the language that you need to use to let to connect in your heart with what happened. Let it all out with God and let God minister to you. Go to God first. Let your heart be clean before God. But to get clean before God, you've got to be honest with God. Don't hide the mess. Don't hide the offence. Tell God what you think of it, but open your heart and allow Him to clean you out. Secondly, if there's possibility of reconciliation. There isn't always. Sometimes it's offence with a distant character. But go to the person. Once you have a clean heart before God, make a time with Him that works for both of you and be reconciled. Share the offence with them. Allow them to repent. Even if they don't, you can extend forgiveness and release you may need to put boundaries on them. You know, it says in Matthew 5, 23 to 24, this is how I want you to conduct yourself in these matters. If you enter a place in, of worship and about to make an offering and suddenly remember a grudge a friend has against you, abandon your offering. This is how serious God takes this stuff. It mess, God's like, I don't want your sacrifice. I want your obedience. I want, you know, the indicator of your, I don't want your worship. And you hate your brother in your heart. God's saying, be reconciled. Be reconciled to each other and then drop it. And it may take time. It may take 
repeatedly going to God. Corrie Ten Boom says when she, when she forgave her Nazi persecutors, it was like she took a hand off the, the, the inside of the bell. It, it kept on ringing for a while. But forgiveness was removing her hand from the source of the unforgiveness. And over time, grace, truth and time, God will heal the offence. Drop it, drop it. Can I ask you to stand to your feet with me, please? You know, Nelson Mandela, who is one of the absolute heroes of our generation, he reconciled a nation. You know, it, it, it was a hard road and it involved for him going to prison on Robben Island. And it involved with him um, actually, you know, undergoing terrible torture, un- injustice, terrible, terrible persecution, terrible stuff. But he said at the very, very end of his imprisonment, this classic quote, as I walked out of the door toward the gate that would lead to my freedom and might I add, um, his efforts to reconcile a nation. I knew if I didn't leave my bitterness and hatred behind, I'd still be in prison. God wants us to be an effective body this year. He wants our relationships to flow. I really believe that God wants to pour out a relational anointing all over Horizon from Sydney to St Andrews to Dunsborough to WA. But what it will take for that to flow is, God, clear my heart of offence. Lord, help us stay reconciled. Me and my brother may have different emphases on things in the Word of God. That person may not be at my level of maturity. They may be foolish with their words, but God, don't let my offence in my heart be the reason why the enemy can come in and divide and conquer. I believe God wants to pour out fresh friendships. I believe there's lonely hearts in this room and you've like, God, I've longed for friendships and there is no community. I can't seem to find the community that my heart deeply desires. And I believe that God wants to do a work in that area in this church. And I see relationships being supercharged this year. I really do. I see people walking in and new people and going, this is the friendliest place I've ever come to. These people are beautiful. And they don't just say, hi, I get invited to lunch at their house. And They take me out for Maccas afterwards and I feel like I can come to youth and young adults and it's inclusive. But a lot of that, a lot of that flow being sustained that God wants to pour out is us getting really good at dropping the offence, at allowing the healing, the forgiveness, the release and the freedom that comes for it. We're gonna worship together, but if that, any of that, if the Holy Spirit's been stirring your heart in any of that, and you just wanna re-surrender in this area, you wanna just acknowledge, God, I've had some things I wanna give you. Why don't you lift your hands to Him right where you are? We're not opening the altars. This is the altar today. Why don't you lift your hands, God? I just really believe God wants to touch some hearts. And maybe there's been you, there's someone or maybe a couple of people here and you felt like, God, is so out of my control. I don't, I, I am so stuck, God. I don't know what to do with this, with my child, with that family member, whatever it is, that friendship, that colleague. And God's saying, just surrender it to me. Surrender it to me. Why don't you release forgiveness? Why don't you lift your hands today if that's you? God, I just want to surrender it afresh to you. Surrender it afresh to you. And for you, if you just know that like me, extending my withered hand, 
you know, being triggered or offended has been a thing for you. Why don't you lift your hands to the Lord? God, I wanna get really good, God, at identifying this year where the enemy's been working to get me stuck and bound and, and just, God wants to bring fresh release, God. What If you pray in the language of the Holy Spirit, why don't you pray in the language of the Holy Spirit? Thank You, God. Thank You, Holy Spirit, for a fresh wind of relationship across this church, God. Lord, I just thank You, God. Lord, for a fresh wind of release in Jesus' Name, where hearts have been bound with offence, God. I just pray, God, that we would release it to You right now, God. Release it to You right now, where we've suffered injury, God, and we've feel trapped, God, as we bring it to You, Holy Spirit. Would You clean our hearts of that thing? We're just gonna begin to worship and why don't You open your heart to Him just for a couple of moments. Thanks for listening to this week's message. For more info about Horizon Church, please visit our website at hz.church. Have a fantastic day and we hope to see you again soon.